Unnecessary Roughness with 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the national championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, we're already in week two, excited about what happened in Arrowhead Stadium. Now we got to bring it home, take on the the Seattle Seahawks. They lose in week one to the Matthew Stafford-led L.A. Rams, who people do not have a high opinion of, not Matthew Stafford, but of the Rams. So they lose 30-13. to What's your initial takeaway from Seattle's week one game? Uh they looked bad. I mean, a big question, you know, going into the season was, for Seattle at least, was, uh, you know, is Geno Smith's play sustainable, right? Yeah. Last year, is that who he is now, or was that uh, a one-year wonder, a flash in the pan? Last week, I thought he looked bad. And look, a lot of that was, had to do with what the Rams were doing defensively. I mean, Aaron Donald was um, a complete maniac out there. It didn't matter the pass or the run yeah. game, but... Uh, they just they they looked like they kind of were thinking about hey we're just going to roll in this game against the Rams and win and you know run our base shit and that didn't work um, that didn't work they got punched in the mouth uh, I think they had 197 yards of offense and 12 of those were in the second half <laughs> set 12 yards in the second half the time of possession was uh, insanely slanted like 40 to 20 Seattle had the ball for 20 minutes I mean it was just uh, it was a it was uncharacteristic performance based off of what everybody thought Seattle was going to be. And it was in Seattle. And it was in Seattle. I mean, you don't see that type of performance very often. But I just thought, I thought the Rams took it to them. Uh, they stopped the run for the most part. Uh, they got out to a lead. They tried to force uh, Geno to be one-dimensional and say, hey, you're going you're gonna to beat us. you got to pass the ball. And um, they didn't have much success at all. So it was uh, a bit of a week one shocker uh, for me to see that outcome. But look, we know that. This this Lions Seattle matchup has kind of turned into a rivalry a little bit uh, out of division rivalry. You don't see those very often, but they played the last couple of years. Seattle obviously getting the best of them the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, players Dan Campbell they talked about it a little bit this week that we kind of pissed off about what they did to us last last year, and and not only beating us but also at the end of the season. Right, we finished hot eight two chance yeah, and they they won uh that week against the Rams and, and kept the Lions out of the playoffs. So I think there's a little bit of a rivalry there. I think that um, this is going to be an energy game. I'll say that. <laughs> you, you're you're going to be in the stadium. You're, you're going to see the ski. You got your own ski mask? But you talk, I, I'm thinking about getting one. I was trying to look yesterday. They're all sold out. <laughs> but um, just the atmosphere, the home opener, everything surrounding this team, the matchup. I mean, it, it sounds like that they're taking this matchup personal. And, um, man, I can't wait. I think it's going to be a heavyweight bout. I don't, I don't think it's going to be – I don't think Seattle's who they showed us last week. I don't think that's who they are. I think they're going to get better. I think they're going to be pissed off themselves. Yeah. Um, but this is going to be – this has a making of, of being probably one of the best games we see uh, out of the, all, all the NFL here in week two. I think the environment at Fort Field is going to be ridiculous. I think it's going to be so much fun. I'm jealous that you're going to be there. I won't get a chance to be there. But – I do think there's something on, on on Seattle's offense that we can address uh, because Abraham Lucas, their starting right tackle, is has been put on IR. Their starting left tackle, uh, Charles Cross, is 
questionable for the game. And it sounds like they're going to try and sign Jason Peters, who is 41 years old, played for Philly for a long time, is was is a, a phenomenal tackle in his day. But coming in with three days of preparation, first of all, how big of, of a hit is it, do you think, for them to lose one, possibly both of their tackles, and with Evan Brown as their center, ironically, uh, former Detroit Lion as well. But then for Jason Peters to come in and try and step in and play, like, I mean, if he's got to play 70 plays. <laughs> yeah, at that age. I mean, I, I that saw that age and that size. Yeah, they. I, we'll see. We'll see what happens as we get closer to the game. I know they signed him to the practice squad, so they're probably going to give him a couple days of practice. And hey, if he's ready to go on Sunday, uh, maybe they feel like they can <laughs> elevate him. I TJ, personally. I'm 35, and I don't think I could play. Go out there and play 10 snaps. So, uh, props to Jason. I mean, props to Jason Peters for not giving up the dream, man. But uh, (laughs) you know, that was uh, was an interesting sighting. Oh man, I tell you what, and he's been around a long time, and he's a big boy. I mean, he played a little bit for uh, Dallas last year. Kind of the same thing. Signed him on the practice squad when you know Tyrone Smith, their left tackle, was having injuries. Played a little bit. Uh, I I'd be I'd be I'd be lying to you, man. I. I'd be shocked if I see Jason Peters out there. I think just any anybody, three days of, of preparation. I know he's been in the league for a long time, but you got, yeah. I mean, 41 years old. I guarantee, I mean, I'd like to see what weight he's charting in at right about now. I mean, that's I, what I mean. I like, he's that, always, you know, been a guy a that's big boy. been a little bit bigger and without training camp. I'm not saying he wasn't keeping himself ready, but for an offensive lineman, there's a big difference. We talked about this with Chris Jones yeah. last week. Now, Chris Jones is in the in his prime, prime of his career. Yeah. I don't have any doubt that he comes in because he just signed a you know one year deal. I don't know what that what it's worth, but that he comes in and has a, as an effect on a game. Jason Peters coming in at forty one for a guy that you know playing offensive line. Like I don't, I don't know if it's if they do bring him up on the regular squad and he does play. I would be shocked to see him. For the entirety of the game, <laughs> make it through the game. Healthy. Yeah, well, I mean, not just healthy, but just as, as, like, I mean, just in terms of his cardio, in yeah. terms of being able to breathe. Yeah, I think that would because uh, playing. I don't get like you said. I don't care what he's been doing the last three months. Hasn't been playing you can't, football. You can't simulate football shape. I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter. You run ten miles a day. You go out there the first day of practice. You're dog tired after ten <laughs> plays. So I would be shocked to see Jason Peters. But look, I think it's a huge deal. I do. Uh, those tackles are pretty good too. Rookies last year. Um, Played really, really well last year. I mean, they were a big part of why Seattle was a good team yeah. uh, because they could trust those guys, and they they weren't uh, a liability in pass protection. They were able to run the ball. Those guys, it's going to be a huge loss. Plus, you talk about not only the, the atmosphere, right? Coming into Ford Field, we all expect it to be extremely hostile. We expect it to be extremely loud. Um, the away team, you're coming in with a couple tackles now that don't have that experience of playing in these situations. I mean, you talk about just the crowd impact uh, that could have on not only the communication, but the snap count, right? Forcing false starts, forcing Seattle into long distance situations. I mean, that's, that's a huge uh, concern. If I'm Seattle coming into a place that is going to be rowdy, especially um, going against Aiden Hutchinson, especially going against him. And that was my second part was I can't wait to see what even uh, this was earlier in the week, assuming I didn't even know that these tackles weren't going to play yet, but I still had that as kind of my biggest uh, key to the game is the pass rush versus Geno Smith because yeah. last week they were extremely good against Patrick Mahomes. They didn't get a sack, but we were thinking, hey, and we even discussed it. Any other quarterback, man, you're probably looking at at least four or five sacks in that game 
in, in anybody other than Patrick Mahomes. So now you look at this pass rush. Hey, you get loud, you get noise, you get the motivation, you get the juice, the adrenaline going. You're going against backup offensive tackles. You're going against a guy, Geno Smith, that he still ran, I think, last year for 45, 50 yards on the Lions and some of those yeah. bootlegs. Uh, but he's not he's not the same type of guy Patrick Mahomes and Justin Fields are. So I think, man, if you can, the biggest key is stopping the run, yeah. right? Forcing Seattle into third and longs, forcing Geno Smith to be a pocket passer and unleashing your pass rush and trying to get home with four guys. If Aaron Glenn doesn't have to send more than four guys and you're able to disrupt Geno Smith and get in the backfield and pressure and hit and sack and maybe force a, a, a sack fumble, um, that is going to be huge for this defense. They showed that they could do it last week against what I think Kansas City, probably an overall better offensive line. Uh, I can't wait to see what they look like at home with the crowd and with the with the adrenaline and with the juice on their side. Yeah, and so the two running backs that um, Seattle have, obviously we're very familiar with both of them here in the state of Michigan, Kenneth Walker III and Zach Charbonnet. Um, one spent time in East Lansing, the other one in Ann Arbor. They're both really good backs, but you lose both tackles. And we know Evan Brown is 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 a quality center. Olu Oluwatimi is there. He's their backup. I wouldn't be surprised to see them – maybe bump one of those guards out to tackle. Um, and now all of a sudden, hey, you bring in a guy, maybe you put Olu at center, Evan Brown at guard, because we know he can play guard. You put one of those guys out there to try in and stem the tide or at least to be able to run the football. Pass protection is always going to be an issue, but at least maybe you can run the ball. And that's going to be a spotlight on Aline McNeil, spotlight yeah. on that entire interior defensive line have they been a are they better at defending the run than they were last year are they going to have a better performance than we saw against carolina last year and that's to me going to be the probably the biggest key to this game yeah no i'm with you and that, and defensively man you gotta you have to prepare for the play action pass too i mean that was something last year that seattle just ran uh, basically every time they ran, it was 15, 20 yards guaranteed yeah. bootlegs, right? Anytime you get backup offensive linemen as a play call, you're probably thinking, Hey, we got to run the ball and we got to play action. We got to load up seven, eight man, uh, protections. We don't want to be going scat, which is just five guys against four, uh, right. You don't want to be doing that against a defensive line. Uh, that's better than you with better athletes, especially when you have a couple backups. So, um, I'm the lions. I'm preparing for that. I'm preparing for a whole lot of max protection. I'm preparing for a, a heavy dose of Kenneth Walker and Charbonnet's probably going to get more carries this week. I know last week he only had three, but a lot of that was dictated off the score and, and yep. the time of possession. They just couldn't, they were going to run themselves out of time if they kept running the ball. Um, so that's got to be the biggest thing. And I'll tell you, Lee McNeil, I know on the stat sheet, if you're just looking at the box score from last year, you're saying, okay, you know, a couple tackles, nothing impressive, but uh, it was noticeable how, how much, quicker he was yeah. right and we even hit on this a little bit was a big story in the offseason him losing 20 25 pounds getting a little bit quicker while keeping his strength that was something that was noticeable he didn't get moved around a whole lot against that kansas city defense in the run game uh, against really good interior three guys um he's got to be a, another key player this week just eat up the run you're a guy that you're not going to get a lot of uh of people you know patting you on the back after the game or screaming your name out that having a great game but you know you, you got to do the dirty work and that type of player and and that's where it starts seattle wants to give you the illusion that they want to stretch the field and they want to run outside zone and they want to get to the boundary uh but everything is evolves around the cutback, right? That's that's what Seattle's game plan is. They want to stretch you, stretch you, stretch you, and then hit you back up inside. If you're a guy like Aline McNeil, Levi Onzerike, 
uh, manning that interior position. You got to make sure you stay home and, and, and be ready to make those plays. Now, on the Lions offensive side of things, we heard reports on Wednesday that hey, it was a day off for the players, at least not on the field practice, and that if they did have practice, Taylor Decker wouldn't have practiced. Are you hearing anything about his availability, the injury, how bad is it? Will he? Is there a possibility that we'll see him on Sunday? I think so. I mean, I haven't heard anything in – um, you know, I know that this week was kind of different because having the 10 days, I think they practiced Monday, uh, and Tuesday, I think they were off Wednesday, which is kind yeah. of unusual. Um, you know, unless something happened during that Tuesday practice, but we didn't really hear reports about that. Right. So, uh, I don't know, maybe it was something that just popped up in the game last Thursday that he's still kind of nursing. And the good news is, I mean, he finished the game, yeah. right? Anytime yeah. you finish the game, you always get a couple extra days to heal. Uh, also, look, Taylor's kind of in the same boat as Frank, where I think they know that they have to be smart with these guys. It's a long season. Uh, both have played a whole lot of snaps in this league. You, you got a coach that realizes, all right, you know, we, we want you guys to practice, but at the same time, I need you 17 times on Sundays, right? I don't need you going out there. Right. I don't need you going out there every Wednesday, beating the hell out of your body and then limping into the game, maybe 80, 85%. I have not heard anything that sounds like it would be uh, too concerning when it comes to Taylor Decker. But obviously, as this week progresses, um, you know, and once we get to Friday and see the final injury report, have a little bit more clarity there but as far as right now I'm, I'm not really concerned about his availability yeah um and I think for the Lions offense this is an opportunity where yeah I know that they want to continue to develop that pass game but I think it's an opportunity for the run game as well to get David Montgomery some more carries attack the center of that that defense um obviously you're going to have to account for uh, Bobby Wagner, who I think, yeah. I mean, what did he have, 19 tackles last yeah. week? It is <laughs> ridiculous the level he's playing at at his age. Um, yeah, he's all over the place. But it's, I think this week we're going we're gonna to see some of that creativity that we heard from Ben Johnson in how and where they're lining up, how they're using Jameer Gibbs. I'm really hopeful that they find more ways to get the ball in his hand. Nine times last week, I can live with it. It was a win. But I think we all kind of felt the potential every time he touched the ball. And maybe it was just the buildup of, of seeing the number one pick out there. And we just, you know, hey, we, we want to see some some dynamic plays. I really felt like there was a threat every time he touched the ball that he was going to make a, make somebody miss, break a tackle, or do something special. Yeah, because it was a threat. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Even his first carry, you know, rewatching that a couple times. And it's like, man, he gets by like somehow shimmies through four guys and gets ankle tackled at the very end, you know, late in the game. I mean, making plays. I mean, he's a guy that and Dan hit on it too. I mean, he has to be more involved. Um, He's a guy that, I mean, it feels like at minimum should be getting 12 to 15 touches a game, whether it's in the run game, whether it's in a jet sweep, whether it's in, you know, motion him out wide, throw him a quick screen because he is that type of player uh, that has that home run ability every time he touches the ball. Now he might be the only one that has we, we've seen last week against Kansas City that probably has that potential. We know what Amon Ra can do. I mean, he's kind of that patrol in the middle of the field. He's going to be in the right spot. He's not really a guy that's going to take the ball to the house, you know, 80, 85 yards. So right. Jameer Gibbs has that type of capability. And um, when you look at the running back room combined, I mean, what Demo brought, you know, even Thursday too, was uh, the impact that those two guys are going to have on this offense the creativity that uh, Ben Johnson can have with those guys lining them up at different positions. They're both playmakers. And that's kind of, 
I'm with you where you got to get the passing game going, but you don't want to force too much, right? We still have to see some of these other guys prove that they can be a number two in this offense. Josh Reynolds had a couple nice plays last week, also had a couple drops. Marvin Jones, self-admittedly, probably not his best game either, right? We still need to see both of those guys kind of pick it up and earn their role in this offense. And while you're waiting on that, you got a guy like Jameer Gibbs that can kind of take over uh, where you necessarily don't have to keep forcing the ball to the other guys. So I I can't wait to see what they've got in store for for Jameer Gibbs. I can't wait to see uh, what he looks like, um, you know, on on the turf field here at at Ford Field. I know fans and players hate turf field, but when you're the fast players, you love it. Uh, I can't wait to see what his speed looks like again this week. Yeah, and before we go, I think it'll be interesting how this game starts because – it's going to be bonkers inside uh, Ford Field. I mean, it is just going to be an absolute insane environment. If you're Dan Campbell, or just what do you want to see them do? Do you want to see them start off on offense, take the ball down and score, or do you want to see them on defense and just let this crowd get after I, it? I think I'd like to see the defense start. And I'm usually a propo- I'm usually a big advocate for taking the ball, yeah. Especially when it's a game you know is going to be tight, kind of like, hey, let's go there, set the tone, yeah. Um, but man, like rocking right after the introductions, after the national anthem, like keep that momentum going. You know what I mean? Defense on the field first. Uh, get out there and what? How awesome would it be if the first play of the game is a false start? You oh, know, and it's man. first and fifteen, and then the roof really blows off that place, man. So I'm I'm with you. I think we agree. I'd love to see the defense first. And look, the defense was the better aspect of your team last week, right? They played really, really good against Kansas City. Try to keep that momentum going. Them on the field first. They get hopefully get a three and out. And we know what that does to an offense, man. That gives you that gives you a little bit of adrenaline boost when you're like, hell yeah, like three and out, let's go, man. It's our turn. Um, I would love to see the defense take the field first. I can't wait, man. It's gonna be uh it's gonna be electric. Yes, and it it's up to the players to keep that place electric for all 60 minutes. And I believe they will. Um, so obviously this one, this seems like a no-brainer question, but what's your prediction? Are the Lions two and oh? I think the Lions, yeah, I do think the Lions win this game. Um now when you t- start talking about you know the point spread and all that, I think I don't look, give a shit about that. No, I, I, know, I know, I know, I know. But it's like it, I don't think that I don't know if it's going to be a high scoring game. I don't know if it's going to be a blowout. I think the Lions do win this game, though. I think they're just the better team, and I think that uh, you know they what they did last week, um, how impressive it was from us for, from our standpoint. You know, the outsiders looking in. The players just approach it like, yep, we had a feeling this is what we're capable of. We can do this, right? Like, it was just ho-hum. All right, back to work. You know, and even I talked to, you know, Jonah Jackson after the game in the post-game interview, and and he's like, yeah, we get to enjoy this one, and, man, it's out of Seattle. And it was like, man, like, you get the whole weekend to enjoy this. It's like, now we got to go do it again, man. I just love the approach uh, that Dan and – and those coaches and the players have, uh, you know, this so far this season that um, they expect to go win. And I think they do. I, I really do. I, I think that uh, I just think they're the better team. I think Jared Goff is in a, a really good place right now, not turning the ball over. I think there's a lot of, like I said at the beginning of the show, a lot of people that are taking this matchup personal. <laughs> and, uh, man, I can't wait to see what it looks like. Yeah, me too. Well, uh, hey, just like this week, every week throughout the the football season, we will break down 
the game that just happened. So we'll be back early next week, probably on Monday with a new episode of Necessary Roughness. And then we'll come with a little scouting report at the end uh, of the week, get you ready for the week's next opponent. So hopefully we'll be talking about a 2-0 and Lions team. And uh, we know what, uh, what, what the difference between 2-0 and and 0-2 in this town is going to be just absolutely unbelievable. So make sure you stay tuned here on Necessary Roughness for all your Detroit Lions information and analysis of games throughout the course of this season.